At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. This is the Chicago City Cast with Danny Burke, presented by Bet Rivers. The NBA is back in action, ladies and gentlemen, and we've got you covered here on the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Our beloved Bulls going at it tonight at the UC, taking on Trey Young and the rest of the Atlanta Hawks crew. How are we feeling? I know we previewed this game a little bit yesterday, talked about where this line opened. At about four, and currently at most books, you're seeing it pretty much about three, three and a half in favor of Chicago. So there has been some movement going toward Atlanta, like we alluded to yesterday. <laughs> My goodness, look at this total. Guys, when we were talking yesterday, I'm pretty sure it was at 234 and a half. This thing's at 241. Yes, you heard that correctly. Two. 40 freaking one is where this total is at between Chicago and Atlanta. Now, I was talking about that money line, saying ideally you can get it into the 140s. Heck, I'll be not greedy and even say 150. Best number right about now on Thursday afternoon is about minus 157. So, look, not the best. I'm going to be somewhat patient to see if there is going to be more buyback on the Hawks to where I could get a better price with the Bulls money line. By the way, Atlanta's money line right now, plus 130, if you want to be contrarian. But I am going to be playing the Bulls in some capacity. I'm just going to wait to see if there's a better number, but I will be on the Bulls money line before tip-off. But let's get into the stats of this game. You know I'm leaning toward the Bulls. We've talked about similar situations such as this time after time where, well, the market just flat out doesn't give the Bulls enough credit that they deserve probably, right? So we see them as a short home favorite. As again, as I say all the time, I'm someone who's willing to lay a little bit more on the money line so you don't get screwed with the craziness that happens at the end of these basketball games. Really quick, before we get into this, I forgot I have to rant. Um, <laughs> that Wisconsin game last night. First of all, this is why I just don't really tend to lay spreads that are in no man's land like minus five or lay spreads for that matter in basketball or even bet college basketball. I bet them what? They're a great team that limited turnovers. Eh, whatever. Didn't kill you too much. But they couldn't hit free throws down the stretch and get some scrub dude shooting the last two free throws of the game, and he completely misses both. Like, it looked like he missed the first one on purpose. He grabbed it and shot it right away. Didn't even take his time. How are these guys getting paid on scholarship and they can't make a damn free throw? So I hate trusting these kids. And I get it. that it. And then he missed a second, but... 
I get it. Didn't really come down to it because they hit that last second three-pointer, which wasn't even guarded. But you don't know if that situation would have been the same. It was an inbounds play. Who knows if that would have occurred if he would have made one or two free. I mean, just give me one, man. Just give me one so I can push. Of course not. And this is just like, it was like my nightmare. Like, this is my nightmare. You know, like, that's what it was. And then it just absolutely ticks me off. And what made it worse, and this is on me a little bit more so. So I figured, obviously, even if they weren't going to cover that, Wisconsin would win. So I live bet the minus one and a half. And you're like, Danny, why are you live betting a minus one and a half if you would have taken money line? It's because where I was looking, the money line was like minus 170, 175 instead of just doing the minus one and a half for a reasonable price. I'm like, all right, realistically, if they win, it can at least be by a bucket. And then the last second three-point attempt, meaningless. Nobody's defending it. Wisconsin was a four because what's-his-face misses two free throws. Minnesota guy knocks down a three. Just shoving my face in the dirt even more. So at that point, I was livid about the free throw misses. But once he made that, I just looked at my friend and started laughing. I'm like, yep, I had the minus one and a half on a live bet as well. <sighs> that's uh, that's betting college basketball for you, folks. But let's move on and have some hope for this Bulls game now as I try to transition in that direction. Okay, we're not messing with the spread for this one. Like I said, we're going money line. But coming into this game, the Bulls coming in on a five-game win streak. And during that span, they've been racking up 121 points during those five games. And the Hawks, they're coming in on about back-to-back -back wins. They've won against Orlando on the road and then Cleveland at home. Now, this is going to be the third meeting between Atlanta and Chicago, and the Bulls have won both times previously. Uh, they had a home-and-home. -home. First game was at Atlanta. Chicago won 130-118. to And then the next game at the UC, Chicago won 131-117. Fairly consistent. Uh, with those numbers and that got me thinking okay so the total points by the Bulls is 121 and a half scored 130 both times with a very similar lineup except Tristan Thompson being the addition and the Hawks are at 119 and a half I I mean that Bulls over looks pretty appetizing I did not really go into that earlier but might have to consider it injury notes Zach Levine we know will be playing the interesting part of this Atlanta team, which could differentiate the outcome from what we've seen before, is that Kevin Herter and DeAndre Hunter did not play in those first two games against Chicago, but they will tonight. Now, the Hawks will be missing their forward, John Collins, with a foot injury. He missed the final three games before the break, and it looks like he is unlikely to go tonight against Chicago after he sat out practice this past Tuesday. So that's all the news on the injury front. Looking at these stats, why do the Bulls have the advantage? Why can they put up a lot of points? Well, offensively, they are fourth in offensive points per possession at 114.6. They are also fourth in effective field goal percentage, 55%. Advantage against pretty much anybody, right? Especially against this Atlanta defense that is 28th in defensive points per 100 possessions, allowing 114.6, identical to what the Bulls are doing offensively. In defensive effective field goal percentage, Atlanta ranks 24th, allowing opponents to connect on 54.3%. Now, the Bulls, as we know, with their shot attempts, are a team that loves to thrive from mid-range, right? I mean, DeMar DeRozan is the king of that. But collectively, Bulls, 
shot attempts rack up 45.7% of them from mid-range, which is third highest in the NBA. Well, it just so happens the Hawks ain't too great at defending mid-range. They're allowing opponents to connect on over 42% of their shot attempts from mid-range, which ranks 18th. Okay, well, where can the Bulls thrive in other areas? Well, they rank third in half-court points per play. Hawks are 24th in half-court defense points per play. What about transition offense? Oh boy, even better. Bulls are second in transition points per play, and the Hawks rank 29th in defensive points per play in transition defense. So big advantage for the Bulls, but you know, we gotta be objective. We gotta slow our roll. Where could the weaknesses show for Chicago? Well, it's gonna be the same area that it has been as of late since they haven't had a full roster, and that's on the defensive side of the ball. Now, they've been able to overcome it by playing inferior teams or teams that just can't score as much as them, but the Hawks can't score as much as them. They rank third, does Atlanta, in offensive points per possession at 114.7, but a little bit lower in effective field goal percentage, seventh at 54.2%. Bulls are 19th in defensive points per possession, 112.2, and they're 21st in defensive effective field goal percentage at 53.6%. couple of things. The Defense for the Bulls isn't as bad as Atlanta. Offense are pretty much even. Any team can go off on any given night. I still give the advantage to the Bulls slightly. And with these stats, you also got to take into account a majority of it naturally is going to be with this Bulls roster that wasn't healthy. And they're still not healthy, but at least they've gotten back Derek Jones Jr. You've seen the emergence of Io DeSumo. I know that's factored in, but he's only getting better. And now you're adding Tristan Thompson. So all of these things, and Levine just even helps defensively at this point. So all of these things aren't necessarily reflective in these numbers. I'm not saying the Bulls are great on defense or better with them per se, but they're definitely not as bad. And they've been slowly improving since they got in a really dreadful streak of just having no defense whatsoever. Having fresh legs off the break can't help, or can't hurt, excuse me. More so on Atlanta, 35% of their shot attempts come from beyond the arc. Not great for the Bulls, as you know, folks, because they allow their opponents to connect on 37% of their attempts from three, which ranks 28th. They were 30th, so again, we're seeing improvement. Atlanta, second in half-court offense. The Bulls, 22nd in half-court defense. Not great. Not great at all. But the thing is, where you could get a spark if you're the Bulls, a lot of times, as we mentioned, is on transition, right? They're second in transition offense. Hawks, second worst in transition defense. If the Bulls can get out running, that's how they're going to win this game early on. Because Atlanta doesn't have an advantage in the transition offense. The Bulls' transition defense is below average, but the Hawks' transition offense is pretty much the same. So that's where this game can have the difference be made. The Bulls get out and run with their athleticism and speed. Kobe White, if he pushes it quick enough. Zach Levine, high-flying dunks. Even Vooch follows pretty well on some of these transition plays. But that is where the Bulls have had consistent success early on in these games to build that lead and tire out your opponents. And that's what they can do with the fresh legs at home with the crowd behind you against an Atlanta team that is not good defensively and cannot keep up with you offensively, especially with the transition side of things. So even though Atlanta's got a really good offense, I'm sure they're going to thrive from behind the three-point line, let's be honest, the Bulls still have the advantages. Now, if Levine was out of this game, we're probably having a different conversation. 
but it wouldn't shock me still if the Bulls would win, but I probably wouldn't be as eager to bet them. But you're getting a Kobe White who's been scoring like a madman. Does that take a hit because of Levine? Maybe, maybe not. Does Vooch's Vooch's numbers take a hit because of Levine back? Maybe, maybe not. I think it's still going to be a solid offensive performance that's reflected by the total moving up like seven points. And I think the Bulls will do enough despite their struggles defensively. I still think they will do enough to have that become the difference maker, right? Not only transition, but stepping up defensively when you need to. You can tell when the Bulls are kind of just playing offense out there and not really caring on the defensive side. But when Billy Donovan cracks down on them and they need or want to have a good defensive possession, they can do it. It's just tougher because they don't have those reserves like, say, Alonzo Ball and Alex Caruso of Patrick Williams to help out. So you're getting some of these weary legs when you have to try every single defensive possession. But I'm saying when they need to step up and do it, they are absolutely capable of doing so. And that's the difference between the Bulls and the Hawks here. So give me the Bulls on the money line. We'll wait to see where this price goes. But I'll play it anywhere up to minus 160, worst case scenario. Let's talk about some of these player props tonight. Very interested in these player propositions. Now, Zach Levine has been the most consistent threat against this Atlanta team. Because like like we've said, they have faced the Hawks twice. And in those two games, Levine has been the best scorer. Yes, over DeMar DeRozan. The first game at Atlanta, Levine went 11-22 from the floor. 3-3 from the charity stripe, racked up 30 points. Second game, first Atlanta again, day off, but then they played him again. Went 10-13 of from the floor, racked up 25 points. So where do you think his player points prop is at tonight? That like 24.5, maybe 25.5, or maybe not so much because DeMar's the guy right now scoring a lot. That's probably factored in here. But 23.5 is Zach Levine's points prop. Well, the over probably has some juice on it, right? No. The over is actually even money at Bat Rivers. The under is minus 127. Now, I am very intrigued to look at this over 23.5, even more so because of the price of even money, and for the fact that Levine is averaging 24.6 points per game altogether this season, and he's gone over this mark in 28 out of 47 games, and now twice versus Atlanta. But I think there's a little bit better option we can consider for this game. Now, I'm not going to dispute anyone who would choose the points as opposed to what I'm going to say next. And I also think you could bet both and have that be viable. But let's talk about his three-point field goals made. Two and a half is the number for Levine. Seems pretty low, right? Well, they are making you pay a price. There's no doubt about that. Minus 135 around that area is the price we're seeing for him to make more than two and a half three-point field goals, meaning make three or more. On average this season, Levine is making three threes a game on over seven three-point field goal attempts. A majority of his shot attempts come from beyond the arc. He was competing in the three-point competition, folks. There's a reason why, despite his lack of success in that competition. 37% of his shots come from three-point land, and he's making 40% of them. Now, he's gone over this mark in 23 out of 47 games this season, as opposed to his points, 23 and a half. He's gone over that in 28 
out of 47 games. But versus Atlanta, not only did he go over his points prop, but 23 and a half in both those games. Remember, he scored 30, and he scored 25. But he also thrived from beyond the arc. He went 5 of 8 the first game, and then 5 of 7 the second game. He's not just getting over. He was comfortably getting over. And he's been doing that against his team and can probably have a great opportunity to do it again because Atlanta is allowing opponents to connect on 36.6% of their shots from the three-point mark. That's 25th in the NBA. No bueno. So Levine, yes, I get it. He's gone over his points prop five more times. But Levine loves to shoot the three ball. Levine did it very well against Atlanta, made five threes in each respective game. And maybe for the reason that it's Levine's first game back in a while, maybe you take it a little bit easier here. You're not risking everything, driving to the rack as much as you normally would. You realize it kind of caught the benefit of not having a severe, I'm knocking on what every time I'm saying it, <laughs> of a severe knee injury. So maybe you're somewhat hesitant. Maybe you're content in this game against a bad three-point defense to chuck up more shots from beyond the arc. And again, folks, considering that he's gone over it twice and considering that this total has rised immensely, you got to imagine Levine's a big part of that and you got to imagine the three-point shot attempts and makes could be bountiful for our guy Zach Levine. So I'm not saying I'm, I wouldn't play his over 23.5 with the points, especially with the price, even money. Folks, I like that a lot. But I think a little bit more certain of a bet in the sense that they're giving you a good number. Are they making you pay for it? Yes. But I think the matchup favors him to have a successful night from deep. So I'm playing Zach Levine over 2.5 three-point field goals made at minus 135. Again, if you want to just do the points because of the price, totally get it. I wouldn't dispute you one way or the other. But I just think Levine will find a comfort zone from beyond the arc against his poor defense in Atlanta and find a way to provide a spark from deep for this bull squad at home. So that's where I'm rolling with for Zach Levine. Over two and a half, three-point field goals made. Let's talk about the big man next. Let's talk about Nikola Vucevic. What can Vuce do from pretty much everywhere tonight, right? I mean, Vuce could thrive in all facets. But Vuce, what stood out to me with him was his points, rebounds, and assists for starters. 34.5 is the number over about minus 115. Under some spots, you're getting minus 120. Now, this season, Vuce is averaging 18 points, 11.7 rebounds, and 3.6 assists per game. Overall, this year, he's gone over 34.5 points, rebounds, and assists in 20 out of 52 games. But more recently, where Vooch has been thriving, he's gone over this mark in 7 out of the last 10 games. All right, but what about when he's played Atlanta? All right, in that back-to-back -back home set at Atlanta, first thing, he got 24 points, 17 rebounds, 6 assists, 47 total. Remember, his prop is 34.5 tonight. Next matchup. At the UC, Atlanta, the opponent still. Vooch, thriving still. 16 points, 20 rebounds, 1 assist, 37 total. 
Automatic play to the over? Well, let's slow our roll a little bit. Now, again, like I said, this lineup that they're going to have tonight is virtually the same they had against Atlanta in those two games. Because you didn't have Lonzo Ball. You had Kobe White in the starting lineup. You didn't have Derrick Jones Jr., though, and you didn't have Tristan Thompson. We'll see what his impact is. But virtually, it's the same, guys. So... For that reason, you would think, all right, well, it's not going to matter about Levine being in. And I get that. I know. But it's just like Booch got on a hot streak after that when Levine was out for a majority of those games. So I'm not rushing to bet this over, per se. But again, I wanted to talk about it because he has done it twice against Atlanta. And it still could be a good spot. And I'm not saying, again, when I'm listing these out, I'm not saying I'd bet the under. It would be the over or stay away. And I think it's still important to introduce if anybody else out there wants to take the over. But where I think you might have a better opportunity is his rebounds prop, right? I just told you he had 17 and 20 respectively against Atlanta. So his number's probably got to be like 13 and a half, right? I mean, that would make sense. Nope. 11 and a half at Bet Rivers is the number. But you know what I'm going to say next? They are making you pay a price for it. The overs minus a buck 35. But is it worth the play to the over? Because again, overall this season, Vooch is averaging almost 12 rebounds per game, 11.7 to be exact. So remember, he's gone over his points, rebounds, and assists of 34.5 in 20 out of 52 games, but he's gone over 11.5 rebounds in 29 out of 52 games. A nine game advantage difference. And versus Atlanta, like we said, 17 rebounds and 20 rebounds, respectively. Plus, Atlanta is going to be missing their big man, John Collins. You still have Capella, I understand that. But you didn't have Collins in the last two games where Vooch had 17 and 20. You don't have him this game. And also, a reason why he probably racked up a lot of rebounds, folks, it's a higher scoring game, presumably. They've been higher scoring games. Atlanta loves to shoot it from deep. Chicago loves to shoot the ball from mid-range or deep. So the ball is going to be flying in the air. A lot of misses because a lot of shot attempts from deep where statistically it's harder to make it from. So that opens up the opportunity for Vooch to rack up plenty more boards. Atlanta collects 51.8 rebounds per game. That's actually 22nd in the NBA. Not a lot. With Levine back in the mix, you got to ask yourself, does that limit him? Does that help him? Because I think when you're looking at his points, I think Levine being back is going to hinder that stat category. When you're looking at rebounds and assists, I think that's a different conversation, and he could thrive in that arena because with Levine in the mix, it alleviates some of the pressure and stress and responsibility of Vooch, at least on the offensive side, right? He doesn't have to be as big of a part of the offense. He can hang down low. Look for a post opportunity. If he doesn't have it, get ready to box out. On defense, doesn't have to slide up to help as much if he knows he has the athleticism and durability of Zach Levine to help guard the perimeter. Okay? But then you got to ask yourself a little bit, what will Tristan Thompson be taking away from him, if anything at all? Are they going to log minutes together? Is it going to be Tristan off the bench And then Vooch, you know, are they going to be in the lineup together, basically? Because you don't play Tony Bradley and Vooch together, right? I mean, that would be disastrous. If it has happened, seldom does it. But is Tristan Thompson 
small enough and good enough to go with Vooch simultaneously? And how is that going to alter his rebound stats? I don't know. I think at least for this first game, realistically, you're going to get Tristan Thompson off the bench in limited minutes, and it's really not going to affect it too much. But something still we should ponder. Now, what's very fascinating about Nikola Vucevic, and I'm looking through his game log because that's what I do naturally with every player when you're looking at their props, right? The thing about Vooch, which is great about him, is he's so consistent. Meaning, what he does against the team the first time, he will likely replicate it. Let's take a look way in the beginning, October 20th, first game against Detroit. 15 points, 15 rebounds. He played Detroit three days later. 15 points, 19 rebounds. Not too bad, folks. All right, well, let's take the Knicks, for example, right? October 28th, 22 points, 8 rebounds. Then he got him December 2nd, 27.7 rebounds. Folks, it's damn near the same thing. Philadelphia doesn't do too well against them. 4 points, 10 rebounds first go around. Played him immediately after, three days later, 11 points, 11 rebounds, meaning it was their next game after. They played a third game too, got 23 and 7, but that was a while later. Uh, Toronto. When he's played Toronto this season, let me find the game. The first game, he went 17 points, 15 rebounds. Second game, 30 points, 18 rebounds. All right, what about the Pacers? The Pacers, maybe not as definitive, but 16 points, 15 rebounds, then 14 points, 16 rebounds. So never mind, I take that back. But the third game, I mean, geez, 36 points, 17 rebounds. The guy loves playing against the Pacers. At least in that last game, because no Sabonis. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I'm telling you guys, he's been very consistent. Look, against the Wizards, 22 points, 12 rebounds, then 16 points, 14 rebounds. There's another team that I was looking at where it was a... Oh, okay, so Charlotte. Charlotte's the one where it was damn near identical too. November 29th, Vooch had 30 points and 14 rebounds against the Hornets. Let's take you to February 9th. 18 points, 16 rebounds. So I'm saying if he's getting over this rebounds mark one time, he's chances are doing it again, okay? The guy has his favorable matchups, and he exposes them because he knows that he can do that, and those are the games he continuously performs well in. So if he did it against Atlanta already twice, 24 points, 17 rebounds, 16 points, 20 rebounds, can he do it a third time? Well, history should show us that, yes, he should. And he's gone over the points, rebounds, and assists in both those games. So again, I'm not saying to bet the under. I would go over or nothing. But because of the unknown with Levine being back in the mix, and just who knows after the All-Star break how everyone's feeling, I think your best bet with Vooch might be his rebounds over 11.5 minus 135. Now, I'm not going to go crazy with this one. I'm probably only going to take a little piece of it. Or let me offer you another alternative. Now, bear with me here. Um, this is a steep price to lay, but I think it's important to throw out there. And when we lay steep prices, meaning if it's like over minus 170, I mean, even in general, you kind of want to subscribe to this, but to each their own. If you're laying a steep price, for example, say if it's minus 200 or higher than that, you typically, in my opinion, want a flat bet, meaning you don't want to risk to win, right? You're not going to bet 200 to win 100 if your standard betting unit is like 100 bucks if it's minus 200, right? 
you're going to bet the consistent amount. So instead, you'd do 100 to win 50 if it was minus $2. You're betting to risk is what I meant to say, not betting to win. So you're risking the same amount. You're not altering that based on trying to win the same amount, okay? So for this example with Vooch, minus 276 or 273, 4, right around there, is his odds to record a double-double. And I wanted to talk about it because out of all the props, this is the one he has gone the most over. Or at least just getting it in terms of a double-double with the yes. He has recorded a double-double in 34 out of 52 games. 34 out of 52 games, folks. It's a pretty decent percentage, eh? Not too shabby whatsoever. Now, if you look more recently with Vooch, you look even more recently what has he been able to do in that area for recording a double double let's look at the last 18 games let's just say well Vooch has recorded a double double in the last 15 out of 18 games wow in the last 18 games only three times has he not recorded one so they're making you pay for it big time of course obviously rightfully so minus 276 or so but if you're fine laying the same amount, you want a consistent trend. He's done it twice against Atlanta. He's done it the last 15 out of 18 games, folks. Maybe consider it. You bet 20 bucks, no big deal if that's your consistent unit. Winning is winning. And you're going to risk the same amount regardless. You're just not getting as much in return. And I get it. The ROI could differentiate based on it because of how much you're laying. But if it's a one-time bet you're making based on a good situation and a big sample size that is shown to be viable, not a bad idea. Not a bad idea uh, at all. So I took a little piece of that also. Vooch could get 10 rebounds, 13 points. You win your bet. You could stay under the rebounds one with that, but you'd win your double-double. So just something to ponder. But I did take a little piece of his rebounds over 11 and a half and for him to get a double-double. Realistically, obviously, the rebounds over 11 and a half because of the price would be more the official play. But overall, right now, I'm just going with the Bulls money line and Levine over his threes is what I'll probably give out on rush hour tonight for my official Danny's Dimes. But here on the city, I still want to go over because I have unlimited time basically to talk about all of them. So I still want to give you my strong leans. And Kobe White is another player that I think could fit the bill for that. Now, I haven't done anything with Kobe White per se, but I did want to mention his props. Because a lot of times, I, some of these books aren't putting him up, but the dude's been thriving. I want to bet our guy Kobe White. But I did find some of his props out there. 13 and a half is the number. The over was even money, believe it or not. The under minus 125. Now, Kobe's averaging 14 points per game this season. He's gone over this mark in 22 out of 39 games. What's fascinating about that is this is counting the games where he played like 10 minutes to get things started. So he's gone over this in a majority of his games this season. And if you look more recently at this sample size, the last 10 games for Kobe White, he has gone over 13 and a half points in 8 out of 10 of those games. Against Atlanta, had 13 points, so you just missed it the first time. But then in that next game, came back, dropped 17. How does Levine affect this? Good question. He does affect it a decent amount, but even if you look at that sample size of where Kobe White was playing simultaneously, uh, simultaneously with Zach Levine as of late, 
Uh, take, for example, the Minnesota game dropped 22. The Charlotte game dropped 15. Phoenix missed it with 13. Levine had like 30 plus, but he was still getting into the teens. So the opportunities for Kobe, whether it's as a role player off the bench or when Levine's out or something like that, are still coming in large portions. And especially when it's a favorable matchup against a lackluster defensive team like Atlanta. Now, you know Kobe White, a lot of his shots come from deep. 51% of his shot attempts come from three, and he's making 40% of them. Great statistics there. He's making about two and a half per game on six attempts from three. As we know, Atlanta ranks 25th uh, defending three-point shots, allowing opponents to make 36.6%. Versus Atlanta, he made three threes on seven attempts the first game and three threes on nine attempts the second game. His prop mark is two and a half, and the over is plus 125. They are giving you plus money to say, Kobe White, we probably think he's not going to get three threes despite he's done that twice versus Atlanta, and that's where over half of his shots come from. Man, I don't know, plus 125? He got me interested, that's for sure. He's gone over two and a half threes in 18 out of 39 games. Over 13 and a half points, he's gone over in 22 out of 39 games. But the plus money at two and a half threes is hard to ignore, especially if we're assuming a lot of points are going to be scored. And a lot could be coming from deep against this Atlanta defense that slacks defending three-point shot attempts. The even money at 13 and a half, also a solid bang for your buck, I would say. But again, there's guys right after a long break with a little bit new roster that you trust more so than others. You know Levine's going to get his. You know DeRozan's going to get his. You know even Vooch, even if he's limited a little bit, is still going to have some significant sort of impact, whether it's rebounds, whether it is points. He has to as the big man. But more of a role player like Kobe White, well, how is he going to be impacted from this? Realistically, he probably goes over both. And just from a betting standpoint and value, I think that's the only way you could go. But first game back, and because of the uncertainty maybe, I'm going to hold off on Kobe White. I'm not telling you you should too. If you have more conviction, go for it. I'll be rooting alongside you. But I'm just trying to go quality over quantity here. And I think the quality aspect of it limits Kobe White a tad bit because he's not as a consistent scoring threat as a Zach Levine, as a Vooch, as a DeRozan. With this lineup, but without Levine, yeah, obviously Kobe White's going to be your second guy, really, next to Vooch. But here, who knows a little bit. So, we'll see. But as of now, the official plays I'm going with is Bulls money line and Levine over two and a half three-point field goals made. And then again, I took a little piece on Vooch over 11 and a half rebounds and for him to record a double-double. But if you want the official plays that will be listed, it's Bulls money line and Levine over two and a half three-point field goals made. And if you don't want to lay that price with the money line, you know what's going to happen, folks. It's probably going to be back and forth, way better line opportunity with Chicago. But you get no value from me, realistically, holding me accountable, saying that, oh, I'm just going to wait in-game. Like, I, I don't count that as bad, right? It's it's to each their own during the in-game when you jump in. And I can't really live tweet that in real time because by the time I do, and if you even see it, it's gone. So I don't say my bet is to wait in-game. I'm saying that's a good strategy, but... The reason why I'm giving out the money line now is because that's what you want from me, right? You want me to say what my bet is going to be so you can lock that in. I can still tell you to bet in-game, and that's fine. 
but to hold myself accountable, I got to give you a play here. So, yes, I'm saying I would wait in-game, and I guarantee you could get a better number. But right now, I am still comfortable laying that high price with the Bulls on the money line. All I'm saying is if you don't want to lay that much, you will get an opportunity 99% of the time with this Bulls team in this matchup to get that better number so you're not laying as much. But I'm doing it anyways. Let's go Bulls, folks. Let's have ourselves a good time tonight. All right, coming up next, let's talk a little bit of football here. Some news with some former Bears personnel and where they will be ending up. We'll discuss that next. Danny Burke, your host. It is the Chicago City Cast presented by Bet Rivers. Bet Rivers Sportsbook wants you to experience rush pay. When you want to cash out your winnings, you don't want to wait two days just to get the go-ahead to withdraw your money. That's why Bet Rivers created Rush Pay. With Rush Pay, 80% of withdrawal requests are approved instantly, meaning you'll get your money faster. Why wait? Get your cash when you want it. Bet with a winner. Bet with Bet Rivers Sportsbook at BetRivers.com. Not valid for any participant of the Illinois Gaming Board statewide volunteer self-exclusion program. Must be 21 years of age or older. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling one 800 gambler one 800 All right, we've got some Bears personnel news coming about. No, it's not Matt Nagy. No, it's not more info about Lovey Smith. We know he's the head coach of the Texans. Congrats to our guy, Lovey. But it is one Ryan Pace. That is right. The former Chicago Bears GM, Ryan Pace, has been hired by the Atlanta Falcons to be on their personnel department. See you, Ryan Pace. You're going to Atlanta where they got 28-3 behind them. Interesting roster, talented enough, can never put it together. But best of luck, Ryan Pace, he will be going to Atlanta. Nothing more to say about it, really, but still we're interested where the old guys end up and who wants to take on that baggage. Not really that much baggage, but you get what I'm saying. Now, since we're on the conversation of football, really quick, and I don't want to spend too much time on this because, you know, you're beating a dead horse, and until something happens, no one really gives a crap. But... I want to talk about the Packers and Aaron Rodgers and this cap space issue really quick. So what they're doing here, because they're, I think they're like 40 million or something over the cap, or I don't know what all the jargon is revolving around it. But the point is they're, they're in a tough spot. Okay. Now field Yates tweet. Now the Packers have created 3.08 million in 2022 cap space by converting 3.85 million of Aaron Jones, 2022 compensation into a signing bonus and adding two void years per source. Green Bay has now created nearly $14 million in cap space over the past two days with more moves ahead. So, you know, my thoughts on Aaron Rodgers a little bit. I was thinking, you know, if I'm him, you kind of made it seem like it was the last dance. You're more of a Hollywood guy. Maybe you want to try to go the 49ers. Broncos seem like a good fit. Everybody's talked about that a lot. But what I have failed to mention, and I, and I, and I was aware of this, but it's been brought to light a little bit more so than me. Look, Aaron Rodgers isn't a free agent till next season, right? He can demand a trade, but who's to say the Packers are going to trade him to an NFC rival? In the 49ers, like that wouldn't help Green Bay in any capacity. Green Bay is going to be screwed regardless if he's not there, but especially more so if it's against the San Francisco NFC team, who you may see. AFC makes a little bit more sense. But they're clearing this cap space, which they were going to do regardless, but of course they're going to try so they're not in that rebuilding mode so they can keep Aaron Rodgers. So maybe they can somehow try to keep Devontae. I, I 
don't know how they do, but they'll find a way to do something. But the odds right now, at some books that have it posted, Green Bay is the minus 250 favorite. Broncos, plus 350. 49ers, 8 to 1. Colts, 10 to 1. Steelers, 12 to 1. Bucks, 14 to 1. List goes on and on. For him to go to the Bears, uh, 100 to 1, if you're curious. But again, I was kind of thinking he would retire or go to a different team. That's been really my sentiment. I don't know, man. The more you hear about it, the more you really think about it, it makes sense for him to stay. He's comfort comfortable there. He's got control. But again, you want to really run through that cycle? Like, I get why you want to stay in the NFC, right? I mean, you don't have to run through Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert. Like, the AFC is undoubtedly harder and more difficult of a path. So that's why I do think 49ers would be his best team because you have a better coach, a better schemer in Shanahan. Easier division? No, NFC North is easier, so that's a pro for staying in the North. And I don't know, you got a better defense with San Francisco. Green Bay, you have a good enough defense, but you only trust Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones on your offense, man. And who are you going to get over there as a free agent to help you out considering you guys have no money? I don't know. I, 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 this situation is very peculiar. Because, yes, it makes sense for him to stay in Green Bay. One more year till you're a free agent. But then you're going to be, what, 39, 40 years old as a free agent? Are you still going to even be playing? If you want one more successful year, go all out. Man, I think you got to go to a different team. Ideally, in the NFC, I'm not saying he goes to the Broncos and all of a sudden the Broncos are the best team in the league. And it's tough because 49ers, like I'm saying, would make most sense, but the Packers don't want to trade him to San Francisco. And how much are they going to gut San Francisco for him? Give away all the draft picks in the world for a Super Bowl for sure. But I do think the odds are priced accordingly realistically, he probably ends up with the Packers, right? That's probably the case. You know I'm trying to speak it into existence for us Bears fans. We all are. We want him out of here. But him staying with the Packers, I've kind of turned a little bit on my thoughts. I, I think that makes most sense because you got to consider it from the perspective of Green Bay, right? You don't want to give him to San Francisco. But if the 49ers give him enough of a haul, maybe it does come to fruition. And maybe if you're the Packers and the 49ers have the best package to offer, you realize, hey, despite giving him to an NFC opponent, we're not going to be able to compete with them anyways, realistically, but we can build in the future. And by the time Aaron's gone, that's when these pieces will come through and be successful for us. So there's that thought process to it as well. A lot of options here. I think we'll find out by the next week, it seems. You don't go on a 12-day cleanse and not have the answer to your problem. Or your dilemma, whatever you want to call it. I think he's just dragging it out. Waiting to see what the Packers are doing with this cap space. Waiting to see who they're going to be targeting. What guys are bringing back. And if it's not enough, then I don't think Aaron will be hesitant to say, I'm out of here. Whether it's retiring or send me out of here. But if it is enough, he knows the NFC North is one of the easiest divisions. He knows the NFC is the easier conference. He's got the comfort. He's got the control. And he can do what he wants in Green Bay. So again, the odds are priced appropriately. 
if I had to guess, I'm not even, I mean, I've told you, I guess what I would do if I were him or would try to do, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen. So I, I don't even want to tell you from a betting standpoint what I would bet because I just, you would say the 49ers because they're the longer shot. But again, what you think they're actually going to sit out Trey Lance again? I think yes, actually, to that. That's just me having, you know, throwing a question out there. I think that would be great for him if you sit behind a guy like Aaron Rodgers. I mean, Rodgers did it with Favre for years. Maybe not years, but a decent amount of time. Right? It happened in the olden days with the 49ers. I mean, it happens, and it's been viable from time to time. I would only do it, I mean, real. you don't want to sit Trey Lance for like two more years. I mean, ideally... I don't know if you get Rodgers for one and then you can move on Lance. I don't know. It's such a tricky situation, folks. So maybe that's why it doesn't happen with the 49ers. But if you're the Packers at the same time and you keep Aaron Rodgers and you don't win a Super Bowl this season and Aaron Rodgers is a free agent after, he's probably retiring or gone and then you're stuck with Jordan Love and you didn't get any compensation for Aaron Rodgers, then you're really screwed. Now, you can't prepare for that in the sense of you don't know if you're going to win the Super Bowl or not if Aaron stays, of course, but I don't know. Packers are kind of in a tough spot. I'm not going to lie. It's really it's really difficult right now for them. Now, Spares fans kind of sitting back, ready to pop that bag of popcorn if all goes according to our plan. And if it doesn't, well, hey, we just want to see Justin Fields improve. We want to see a competent coaching staff. And the Bears had a shot to at least make the wild card. How about that? That seems reasonable to me. Maybe not the division, but the wild card. All right. We'll keep you updated on the situation. Keep you updated on the odds. But that's going to do it for another edition of the Chicago City Cast, presented by Bet Rivers. Folks, as always, appreciate it if you like or subscribe to the podcast so you get notified right away when the shows are released. And again, you can check out my show, Rush Hour, on VEASAN, the sports betting network, Monday through Friday, 5 to 6 p.m. Central Time, iHeartRadio, Fubo TV, Sling TV, the Xfinity app, YouTube TV, uh, TV, excuse me, VEASAN.com and the VEASAN app and the Marquee Sports Network. Plenty of guests on the show, different perspectives, go more national outlook and more bets if you want to check it out. At Danny Burke 5 on Twitter for all the links and whatnot. But until next time, so pretty much until tomorrow, folks, take care, best of luck with your bets, and let's go Bulls, baby. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.